You don't get suspicious when, when your analyst calls you up at three in the morning and weeps into the telephone? It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell, a double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Happy weekend, everyone. Happy Saturday to you. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour, and we are ably assisted as we are most Saturdays by tall guy Nathan Miller. Nathan at the board. How are you today, sir? Good morning, Gary and Suzanne. And we're done with Black Friday, Cyber Monday, all the shopping week, and it's time to get ready for the holiday seasons. Nice. Now, was that Donner or Blitzen? I can never tell the difference. They're hooves. They, they just, they each have their own style. And their own bells. Yeah. And All then right. they got that, that uh, red-nosed eggnog junkie leading the whole pack there because Santa insisted. Boy, I think there was some, well, never mind. <laughs> just, we, we look at this time of year as just being multivarious. I mean, it's a great thing. At my church here in Sarasota, we were talking the other night about wanting to be truly diverse. And, you know, if I have to go look it up and read it word for word, when we come to celebrate the holidays, I will include Kwanzaa, for example. Hanukkah is happening right now. It's the holiday season. And don't forget the pagans. I think they have been ignored for too long. <laughs> Whenever people talk about them, somebody brings up the Salem witch trials. Well, for God's sake, it's not like they haven't been active since. There, So we look at all this as a time of year for celebration, for inquiry, and hopefully open-mindedness. You know, it's good to cut people some slack, give them some latitude. And it's the best time of year for doing that as far as I am concerned. Today, Jacob Cooper is going to join us, Suzanne. And... We had a great time with him, and I am noticing, and this is by way of congratulating him in his presence as he waits in the wings, that he has been doing a lot of media. He's got the spark. He's carrying the fire. And as a result, we want to find out how that experience has gone for him. It must feel pretty good. And what is the predicate for his practice, for his continued growth as a metaphysician, which is playing out more and more in a public arena? Why don't you do his mad props and let's bring him on for the second time. They're going to be mad, but brief. We want to get talking to Jake here today. Jacob Cooper is a clinical social worker, Reiki master, certified hypnotherapist, and an author. He has something helpful, perhaps something metaphysical for just about everyone. Manson Mitchell are happy to bring an hour with Jacob to you, ladies and gentlemen. We're happy that you're here to join us. We're happy to welcome once again, second time around for Jacob Cooper. Jake, how are you doing today, sir? Oh, my honor to be here with you guys. You know, thank you so much for having me on. Really, truly an honor. Thank you. We have been reading your book, Life After Breath. And you came on one time and spoke a little bit about your personal experiences. And so without redoing that whole first interview all over again, we thought we would still have you start with kind of a short version of what happened to you when you were a child. And then we're going to throw a bunch of questions at you. How does that sound? Uh, That sounds wonderful. I just got out of a sold out presentation last night you know, in Long Island with a lot of grieving families. And so to be of service and to 
be of good news and to remind people what they truly know in the depths of their hearts is my mission, that we are eternal, that we go on, you know, beyond this body, beyond our pain, beyond our suffering, you know, we continue. Uh, but I had my own near-death experience at the age of three years old as a result of pertussis, otherwise known as whooping cough. And from, um, I was in a park in a playground, uh, which is a lot of allegorical references, which is a segue for the next book that I'm working on. Um, but, um, you know, I suffocated due to whipping cough. And after suffocation, every part of my body ceased to function. But I never felt more alive and I never felt more aware and I never felt more of coming into awareness. And um, to me, we use the term death to describe what happens when the body goes. But to me, there's only life and there's only life. And um, it was a rebirth period. But in those moments after suffocation, there was an awakening of the breath of eternity that could never taken from me, despite the breath of my body that was taken from me. And with entering the breath of eternity and looking at the depths of darkness of the human experience of suffocation and not being able to hold on to anything, I was able to remember that, you know, I was forever connected to everything and that can never be taken from me. Um, and I was able to connect to, you know, spirit guides, angels, what we could best describe in our vernacular as God, but, you know, that word is quite limiting. Um, as well as my own dharma, you know, purpose and uh, previous carnations. So a lot of that is really chronicled within life after breath. But uh, from losing everything that I was holding on to, three-year-old personality, my body, I was able to find and discover everything. And I think there's many paths to the mountain of transformation, but to, that's a very uniform playbook where we let go of what we think we are to really unfold into the um, eternal awareness that we truly are. Mm -hmm. During this near-death experience, Jacob, who did you run into over there? You know, it was it was a lot. I would say, in my book, I talk about this a bit, but it was angels, it was spirit guides, um, Christ consciousness. I encountered people from my own past carnations that I had a reunification with, um, soul family members. Um, but you know, it was all my own inner core within my own backyard and the refreshing part is our bodies can go and you know lifetimes we read this body but we always come back to home and a lot of the people on our stage that join us within different carnations and different lifetimes for collective you know growth and you know evolution so it was a great unification process that i had uh but the difference part is when you have a near-death experience it's kind of like um two rubber bands and you go to that other side of the rubber band and you don't stay there and you come back to the body. And so that's that's the interesting part of this NDE phenomenon is, you know, you cross over, and then you stretch back back to the body when you come back after it. And that's really cool, but also very complex as a young child. Oh, yeah. Complex, whether you're a child or an adult or an adult, you, too. Yeah. You know, uh, Jacob, when you talk about the life eternal, we talk about that a lot on this show. It's just part of our format it's, it's part of what we're, um, a, a philosophy that we feel is important that people don't feel as though they're just going to be snuffed out. And it's, it's interesting that I have a, quite a bit more of an intellectual gas, a grasp of it, than I do an actual experience of it the way you have. Mm -hmm. And I, I mentioned this yesterday, and I'm, I'm going to mention it again today. And that was two days ago on the 2nd of December, 
Gary and I celebrated our second Mom's Day. We have a private Mom's Day because on December 2nd, his mother uh, made her transition into this incarnation. That was her birthday. Mm. And on December 2nd, my mom made her exit from this incarnation. And and that was her transition day back into the spirit world. And so it's funny that it happened on the same day. And so we, we celebrate with some flowers and candles and some remembrances of our mom. And at some level, we, we know that life is eternal. We know that, you know, they're now in uh, another dimension, another realm in this dimension, they only spoke once on the telephone. Mm. And, and so we have heard from mediums that they have been in contact in that other dimension. And it, it, it's, it's, it feels good and it's, it's, it's kind of hard to get your mind around that, you know? <laughs> the fact that they didn't know each other so well, then they become best buds when they cross over. Is that, yes. is that yeah. you know, I think out of the trillions of people on the planet, for you and Gary to be together, there's something to that. And there's something more beyond you where there's an energy just beyond your personality, your body. And there's just this, you know, team-like energy where, you know, the people that you know, the people that you know, you know, meet. And, and it's pretty cool because you would just imagine what would happen if they were to be closer like that, you know, in this body. But we know we're eternal and, uh, you know, the dynamics take off in many ways, you know, when the body goes, whether we clashed with someone, you know, there's forgiveness or whether, you know, soul group from one person's soul group and another's that never really met and they cross over and they become best buds because they're so invested in your field. And there's, you know, it's such a close dynamic with you that now they have more awareness to your intimate relationships. There's no walls to it with who they interact with and who they are really behind within your life. So it's really expansive. And we we kind of came to that same conclusion, Jacob, that because we're talking about our two mothers, the the two women that birthed mm. us, the matriarchs, even though yeah. they never knew each other. Right other than, you know, this one telephone call, it's like Gary's mother's connected to him. My mother's connected to me. And now in the spirit world, it appears as though the two mothers are now connected to each other just because of the relationship that Gary and I have. And, and, you know, one of the things that we were talking about before, you know, anticipating the interview is stuff like this gets so incredibly complex. I, I said to Gary, you know, when we look out through the, through the telescopic lens out into the universe with the billions of planets and, and all of the suns and all of the everything and all of the stars, what we have going on here is so tiny and infinitesimal to a a universe, a multiverse, which is extremely complex. And, and I would say, given your circumstances, mm-hmm. you see more than the average person here, but don't even you just think there's so much more beyond what you're able to grasp? I love what, you know, when Wayne Dyer would give talks, he would, you know, start with the talks, you know, sometimes saying, are you that person in that chair? And 
the person would say, yes, I'm sitting in a chair. I'm saying I'm in this chair. But I said, well, you're, you're technically in the chair, but you're also in a room. You're also in my auditorium. You're also in a state, in a country, on a spinning planet around you know, other planets. And so on just a physical level, we're so limited in how we see ourselves on the macro level. We see ourselves in a very limited perspective. And that's with our own two eyes. And so imagine what it is with our inner eyes and the unseen force fields, how much more expansive we are, if that's the case. And, you know, I know right now, the big thing is a lot of the celebrities going to outer space and a William Shatner just got so emotional looking at, you know, the planet and just to see how beautiful it is and the glow that it has. And, you know, something that you see on television, but to see it from that angle gives you a microcosm, like you said, with how invested we are in these little things in our life that we feel are so big, you know, but we're, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, our focus is so narrow, you know, and we get yes. caught up in that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great tool for resilience in a sense that, um, you know, at the end of the day, our stories, you know, run themselves out. It's what we're able to define our stories as it's the meaning, it's the love that we share, you know, the little details of it, you know, kind of get lost, you know, those are experiences, but the ripple effect of our lives are really what's left. And that's, I know what you guys are about, what I'm about, you know, because I think there's a one-way ticket, one-way ticket back to the other side. We want to make sure when we come home, you know, we were able to make our own impact because we can't take a lot of the stuff with us when we turn home that we think that we're attached to as our identity. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. We know we can't take our stuff with us, but are <laughs> well, we... what do we take with us then? Yeah. What is ours to take with us? Good question. Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, on souls, you know, some people they're carrying over stuff that, you know, they work on the other side to let go. That's not always light. Sometimes that could be pain. And so the work of healing still, you know, has continuity. You know, I think um, the goal is, I think we come in here with many, jewels to offer you know and at the end of the day we want to have our backpack empty with knowing that we gave every inch of ourselves we were able to give that over and you know we say we have nothing left to give within this carnation within this body and it's time you know to to have a new chapter a new beginning uh from completion we begin uh but i think pe a lot of people are holding on to the wrong stuff in their backpack which is you know a lot of pain a lot of suffering a lot of things that they walked into and i think there's two ways to live your life you could live by your story you could learn how to define it and that separates karma and dharma you know karma is really our stories and dharma is our purpose and um life after breath is very much you know about a story so that others could remember their story but it's a segue to my next book which is really focused on the meaning and purpose behind the afterlife and i'm almost complete with that and um i think the great exciting part about both books is hopefully the reader will come back knowing that they don't have to wait till they die to get to the heaven. They have it right within their own backyard and it shouldn't take death to be a reminder of how expansive we really are. So. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, purpose, uh, karma mm -hmm. being our story and dharma being our purpose, because that was one of the questions that I was um, wanting to kind of explore today is uh, this idea of purpose. I, I think people would like to know what their purpose is. Well, if I right. knew what it was, I would do it. And, and I, I think there's a lot of that kind of a thing where people are feeling like, 
they should be having maybe a grander purpose or or if I only knew what it was or tell me what it is and I'll do it. There, there is this idea of not living our purpose and yet are we not living our purpose or are we living it exactly the way we said we would? I mean, oh. do, do you see a, a lot of that confusion oh, sure. around purpose? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of times when we come from ego, we tend to judge ourselves, we tend to labor ourselves and we tend to identify what we do versus who we are. And so I don't think doing is so much. We're not a human doing, we're a human being. And so I think it's really embodying our essence within our everyday life that will allow us to define that purpose. So many people just feel that their purpose isn't getting in front of a microphone and talking to people. Well, that could be very helpful if you're not able to enjoy and be present when those lights are off and to enjoy the little things, how could you really embrace it? So that to me is a transactional checklist of the ego, but it's really not an unconditional life that loves who you are, not so much what you do. And so who much, so much of who we are is identified by cultural programming, you know, especially yes. in the West, yeah. which we have to be the best, we have to go to the top, you know, all those things, not recognizing everything that we're looking for is already within ourselves. We don't have any needs, we're just here to embody and express you know, the beauty within our side of ourselves and to be able to live those, the world out of that lens. You know, sadly, a lot of people have a projector screen of life and their definition of life is what's on the screen, not knowing what gets in the way of the projector of light of life with thoughts, ideas, constructs. And I think the more pure that we are with filters of light and being able to really connect to that place of living life from the inside out versus the outside in, we can recognize that not so much life as what happens, but how we're able to really make sense of it, how we're able to find purpose for it and how we're able to find meaning for it. Because um, as Wayne would always say, the moment we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. And that's really where life begins is within the power of awareness, the power of intention, the power of perception, you know. <laughs> is there such a thing? I mean, I'm going to skip ahead here from uh, these earthbound considerations to eternity, if you don't mind. I thought I would just mm. make that little switch, like changing uh, channels. Uh, yeah, we could switch gears anytime, yeah. <laughs> I figured you're up to I it. I got a That's stick great. shift. Let's go. <laughs> you know how to drive one of those, you can teach me. <laughs> I do, I, I'm, I'm a millennial, so we do manuals, but yeah, I mean, stick shifts are great. They, they say they save gas. I don't know if that's a myth or not, but we could use that these days, right? <laughs> that's right. The guy that says that, by the way, is the one trying to unload his five-speed Honda on you from 1977. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. I do um, drive a Honda. I love my Honda. Well, there you go. So, <laughs> I, people tell me I have this gift. I don't know. <laughs> Got a one Honda breath Civic. at a time. No pun, intended with, <laughs> no pun intended with life after breath. Yeah, that's right. And when it is life after breath, which I hear the phrase, a government of heaven, a kingdom of heaven. Mm. And I think what is implied there is a sense of structure and hierarchy based on soul growth, not getting elected, like being, you know, elected mayor, governor or something like that, but actually being in a place where the progression of your soul is such that you begin to form new associations. You find yourself spiritually in a different place, even when you're in the spirit body and not in one of these human bodies. Did you hear, did you feel, did you sense anything that would indicate that kind of hierarchical notion of an afterlife? Right. I mean, I, I don't like the 
the word. I think that almost sounds like capitalistic if it's hierarchical. And I think, you know, the afterlife is very diametrically different in many ways. But yes, there's tons of anecdotal research that there are different levels. How could we make an infinite, a finite place where this is the multidimensional is unidimensional? So to me, it's it has very different rungs and very different layers. Now, for us to judge ourselves or to feel best or wor worse or whatever, I think the lives we live, there's causality and effect and embodying who we are, sure. But we're here to, we, to evolve and to grow who we truly are and to remember that. And within each and every lifetime, we do grow. So I don't think it's better or worse. I mean, Christ, you know, who knew the kingdom better than almost anyone would say that whatever you see in me is in you too. And I think within each lifetime, we're here to re-remember who we truly are, what's inside of us and what we're forever connected to. And I think that's important to do, but we, it's, it's, it's a continual unfoldment in, in lessons, you know, within each soul in their own unique lifetime. But I do believe at the end of the day, it's, it's a universe, which means uni is one and verse means song. We're all part of this, you know, collective, you know, eternal tapestry, you know, past time, past space, you know, past our egos, you know. <laughs> Gary, talking about your soul's growth, you wanted to ask our friend here about the summer of Jacob. Oh, well, yes. I mean, I found this fascinating. In your book, Life After Breath, mm -hmm. you talk about what it was like during a summer of awakening, my term would be enlightenment, where we could say ascension from one level to another, however you choose to appreciate that experience, Jake. Mm -hmm. And you found yourself in the company of your fellow youngsters who hadn't made that trip with you. They were in their own space there. And it seems to me reading your book, like you found yourself at odds, because if you know a thing, and you're trying to explain a thing, how do you get that across to people who don't have the ears to hear you? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, I think all of us are an entire tree in one seed. And, you know, spirit sees us so much differently in the time, time frame and the, our own potential that we have. And so I think within my work, I plant the seeds and the person may not get it right after they're done with the talk, but you know, you give them, you know, I've had it like a couple of years, couple of weeks later, and it does make sense. Um, and I think people process this in their own levels of understanding and comfort, but I don't believe that there's anything that I say that I own. It's not mine. This is all within our own backyard. Where it's something that's all a part of us. So I don't think that I'm, if I were to leave this world and be known as the afterlife guy, I'd be pretty agitated. I want people to remember themselves as afterlife people, that that's something that they are connected to, you know, and it's not my story, but rather they see their experiences through my story. And I think that's very important. Uh, but it's funny that you mentioned summer, you know, because I view, I view the afterlife as, as, as an eternal summer. And, you know, it's just like this, this place of endless light and uh, endless euphoria. But oftentimes it's going to the depths of winter, as a philosophical quote would say, that we find the depths of summer. And I think right now with people hurting the holidays, going through grief, you know, sometimes pain, you know, and loss and that shakeup of the soul could be a great way to expanding. Because I think at the end of the day, um, the death, you know, the passing of the body is something, you know, beyond universal. And yet it has so many different meaning and connotations behind it. 
And I think coming from an inner place, people are able to understand it on their own level, but it reminds people of the impermanence of the body, hopefully to remind people the eternity of love that we have. And I have talked to various people. I'm sure you've talked to more people who carry around a certain attitude regarding the prospect of the afterlife and this notion of eternity and consciousness. Mm. I mean, I'm an optimist in that regard. I believe that when I die, that my consciousness and oddly enough, my sense of personal identity, and I don't even know how that would work there will persist despite the demise of my physical body. Mm. Can I prove it? Of course not. It's what I believe. And there are others who just as steadfastly believe and without necessarily any negativity, by the way, mm. that when a human being dies, you're done, you're dead. <laughs> yeah. That's it. You're part of the biosphere and your expiration date showed up. And so you go away and when all those who knew you and loved you or hated you or in any sense were aware of you pass away, then you are part of the mists of history. Now, Jacob, this is your opportunity to come before our audience and say, all right, you got me. That's exactly how it works. I've been selling this optimism game to try and pump people up. <laughs> it's a nice way to make a living. I made a lot of friends there, but the fact is when you're dead, you're kaput. Now, there are people who would insist that you come clean, come, come now, and admit that this is what that's all about and give up this charade. <laughs> well, it's so funny that you say that because, um, you know, a famous near-death experience researcher was once quoted in a magazine where he said, I don't believe in the afterlife. And they stopped the quote there. He said, I have a knowing that there's an afterlife. But the magazine said the afterlife researcher says there is no afterlife. And so for myself, I come from a different vantage point, which is based off of a direct experience, which informs and in knowing. But people don't have to have an NDE to really inform, you know, their viewpoints of the afterlife. I think it makes very logical sense if people are coming out of their linear mind to not able to understand nonlinear life. And so the mind can't possibly really wrap its head around around nonlinear things. I think it's a, it's a deeper part of ourselves and a higher subconsciousness that remembers you know, through this stuff. But my recommendation is to really look at the hard science from people like a Dr. Jeffrey Long, Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, International Association of Near-Death Studies, our friend Mark Anthony, who wrote you know, his terrific book, um, the, you know, the Afterlife Frequency, and to look at how you know, research is really catching up to really have you know so much evidence and anecdotal stories to prove that there is something so much more than just looking at life through process through the mind you know in the linear processing that when the mind and brain goes we go but i know one particular guy who talks about this his name is dr bruce grayson and i think it's true that you know, in the, you know, for many people, the brain and the mind are the same thing. But for myself, for other near-death experiencers, when the brain stops to functioning or people when they're on hallucinogenics or people when they're having, uh, you know, their dementia and they're on their having deathbed visions, how is it possible to have this awareness when brainwave functioning is very low, you know, at the very least, or, or is not there? And so if the mind is produced by the brain, then why is that amplified? when the brainwave activities are very low. 
And so, you know, researchers have no answers for this to this point from, you know, that particular model. And that's, that's an answer that they're very, um, you know, funded by. And so it's, it's something to ponder, something to think about. I think this is all about bringing information up to a courtroom and people have to use their own comfort level of intuition and judgment on this. But if it's coming from the mind, it's coming from the left brain, it's, it's, it's going to be a little bit trickier. I think we have to open ourselves up, you know, to, to other possibilities for that to exist and, and, and really move the needle on someone else's perception. Well put, Jacob. Jacob Cooper is our guest. Always happy to talk about, yes, the afterlife, but about metaphysics generally with someone like Jake, because he has a perspective that I certainly could not mimic nor duplicate. But I'm very interested. And that's why Suzanne and I sit here and ask him questions on the radio. We're going to continue doing that after a short break, our one break of the hour. Thanks for listening to Manson Mitchell. Give us a couple of minutes and we will be right here, right back on Seattle's home of alternative talk, AM 1150. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash manceandmitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Jeffrey Mark for a fun-filled hour of classic Christmas movie conversation. It's Hollywood at the Holidays. On Saturday, Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer, returns for part two of our interview about his must-read new book, The Afterlife Frequency. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Jacob Cooper, author of Life After Breath. This is the second time we've talked to Jacob Cooper about his book. And also, uh, Jacob, I wanted to give you this opportunity to just let people know 
um, where they can get the book, any information that you would like to give our listeners about your website or anything of that nature. Yes, to purchase Life After Breath, it is available on Amazon, as well as on my website at jacoblcooper.com. And there you could take a list of my services, including hypnosis, past life regression, psychotherapy, counseling, mindfulness, you know, Reiki, we, we do it all. Uh, if you've got a brain, you've got a body, I could find a way in some way uh, to be of support to you and your you know, individual, as well as group needs. So we do have groups, individuals, workshops. So it's jacoblcooper.com. Jacob L. Cooper. Make sure you put the L in there. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess yeah. there's more than one Jacob Cooper in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> and internationally. I'm trying to get domain on that with the more books that I have. Maybe, you know, maybe we'll get there. But, you know. <laughs> Search engine optimization. Yeah. That's yeah. The name of the game. Love, yeah. intention, you know, all that. So, yeah. <laughs> you said something uh, earlier in the first half that really kind of triggered me and I wanted to go back to it. Mm. And that was you, and I don't know if I heard you right, or, or I just need some clarification, but I thought I heard you say that in the spirit world, we're still working on letting go. And, and I'm, I was wondering, does that mean that in another dimension, there may still be some pain and suffering, even though it's not physical we it's not in a physical way but is there still regret remorse you know something going on that needs to be addressed in the spirit world you know i i think there's you know a healing that happens when we come there there's an incubation period and i think our primary guides you know angels do work with us but we look at life from such a deeper vantage point and you know i think for many when they go i think probably the more difficult piece is the life review in which they're able to have an expanded awareness about the life that they had, not only from their perspective, but, but from others. And so the human constructs, you know, are taken away, you know, but, you know, the, the feelings of isolation are removed in the sense that we're in a place of light. We're not isolated in our pain or suffering, you know, which is a much different, you know, than what we're used to. I think the most, suffering happens when we're feeling you know very much alone and isolated on the other side we recognize that there's an energy carrying us we're not just you know just solo holding on to our isolation you know there's healing there's upliftment there's growth and you know you know there's 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 an accumulation period i know when i went to the other side it was familiar but yes it, it took time to adjust i didn't just go there cross over there and still not have some degrees of connection to my life or some emotions that come. So it does take time. That's just from my own personal experience of this incubational period. But eventually, you know, we all return back to our infinite source, you know, of healing, restoration, love, you know, and in all those things that we carry on in the lifetime, you know, eventually goes. And, you know, so that is from my perspective, there's no, you know, ill will, but something for us that we continually evolve and let go and evolution doesn't doesn't just happen in the body it happens also when we're there too you know and that's a continual growth period and coming back into our own source and expanded awareness so i hope that makes sense this that's just my own yeah so we're 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 evolving here in the physical but we're 
also evolving in the spiritual realm. It, I'm, I was thinking that uh, when I have been witness to um, mediumship readings, mm-hmm. I have heard um, several readings where somebody from the other side was uh, apologizing. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry that I, I didn't tell you more often that I loved you. You know, I'm, I'm sorry that, you know, we didn't do more together. I, I, I hear some of that kind of thing. And so I'm wondering if, uh, if in the spirit world, there's things that we feel bad about. Mm. You know, I think in a way, you know, that evolves, that, that lets go. But I think sometimes we need to hear that too for, from our perspective. So for them, you know, they're ascending, you know, they're becoming healed, the letting go of it. You know, they recognize that in the moment they're doing the best that they can. And it's not so much about, you know, feeling bad necessarily. It's about being objective and learning, okay, this happened. And, you know, how could I learn from this? How could I evolve from this? So, you know, early on there might be that emotional piece, but but after it's more you know, looking at it from a higher vantage point of objectivity. But I think in mediumistic readings, that's not so much for them to just, you know, say as a vendetta or to let go. It's for us, you know, to, to hear in our own way, because so many times, you know, we hold on to that too. And it's very hard for us to let them go with that degree of guilt or anger. And for our dynamic to continually evolve, if we're holding on to, you know, a stuck energy, you know, within a pathologized you know, kind of negative dynamic. And so I think it's 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 a seesaw of yes, us being able to recognize that they were never really they were on this world, you know, all beings are on this earth, but not they're not of this earth. You know, they're really belong to another dimension. They're here you know, temporarily and they go back to to that. But you know, it doesn't mean that just because we're not attached to them doesn't mean that we're not connected to them beyond comprehension. And so the body doesn't just unite us, you know, love within the body does, you know, beyond the body. So. It, it makes me wonder, um, cause I've seen these healings occur. Mm. You'll see people who are getting a message or a reading and mm. they're weeping mm. and they're, they're, they're feeling healed. They're feeling whole. They're feeling heard, understood, acknowledged, mm. And, and so I'm wondering in the reciprocity between the dimensions, if, if the person here in the physical is, is, is feeling that wholeness and that healing, is it also being felt in the spirit world? Mm. I think in a way, I mean, I look at the radio station, for, for instance, if we are so bogged down, you know, within our own stuff it's very hard to see and to hear and feel and so much of this is the you know the spirit does the best they can to be our 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 own radio station but if our vibrational frequencies is lower it's harder for us to have that continual rapport and dynamic and so it's more so as we rise we're able to really be more in unison with our loved ones and have a deepened connection you know they don't necessarily change they do all everything that they can to show us signs, symbols in our unique way, it's, you know, our readiness to be able to listen, which does not mean bypassing grief. You know, that's necessary. That's essential. Um, And, you know, I think grief is a great gateway 
to finding meaning as well as in knowing. I don't just believe that there are five stages, you know, of grief. You know, I believe that there's a six, which David Kessler speaks about from the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation, which is meaning. And I think the seventh I find is is a knowing that there's, you know, more ties than just the body in this lifetime, that there's an eternal connection, that love truly never ends. And I think people who have lost, you know, in a way, a loved one, they're often come back to transformation within their own lives and expansion. But is it, it doesn't change in a way the series of events it changes really how we're able to perceive it many times from that dark period of of grief grief as well as healing and, and growth from grief grief is good doesn't feel that way when you're going through it but i think you'll agree with me jacob that grief is not a place you were meant to stay it's mm. not a permanent address right. and conversely if you do not go through that passage of grief, it seems to me that burying grief is a great way to grow tumors. Yeah, you know, and I think Mark, I know Mark Anthony speaks about this in one of his books, um, but we see a lot of suppressed grief in its relationship to a lot of comorbidities, you know, from, you know, uh, self-medication to incarcerations to, you know, uh, suppressed emotions. And uh, certainly in the field of psychotherapy, when someone's experiencing, you know, heightened, you know, emotions or depression or anxiety, I mean, there's so many times, you know, that's rooted within grief. And grief is a, such a versatile word. It's not just a loved one. It could be a job or relationship. And I think in the way we're all going through grief of the last two years of the world that we had in the world that we're adapting to, and, you know, that takes time too. Um, but there are many, you know, healing benefits from going through those necessary steps and stages. You know, that's a really, really good point, Jacob, mm-hmm. is um, I, I also get the sense that having dealt with this pandemic and it's not even over yet. Right. Right. We're still that a lot of what's going on with the pandemic has been grief. And as you, as you just said, uh, you know, our world is, is changed permanently because of it. Right. Things are going to be different in, in many ways. They won't snap back. Okay. Now we're going to go to the way it was before the pandemic. I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're entering a completely new way I, I know for myself, um, you know, I never need to go into the bank anymore mm. for anything. Mm. You know, I have figured out how to, you know, do things uh, very differently from the way that I did mm. them before. And, and so it, it's interesting that, um, you know, what is it that's going to change permanently around here? Right. Quite you know, uh, I, I think there's many ways to engage with that. And a lot of that is based on foundation. Um, I look at the near-death experience or out-of-body experience or any of these experiences, they're all labeled differently, but they're grouped to me under the same unfoldment. And so from a macro perspective, I believe the globe had its own near-death experience when it had the last couple of years in a sense that we were holding on to something that was temporarily taken away from us. And all of a sudden we're in this weird incubational period where either people based off their foundations are are coming from those places from hiding places but that's why we see a lot of you know divisiveness where people are from you know because they're coming from different places and so uh, you know in a way it's 
I think what happened was what happened to me was the sped up impermanence of the body in this lifetime. And so many times we hold on and we devote ourselves to so many of these little things and forgetting, you know, this bigger things. And sometimes we have to allow that rug to, to, to be pulled to allow us to really stand on a deeper, more lasting foundation. And hopefully this is a lot of res- a lot of reset for some people to focus on, you know, reevaluation of life. I see a mass dropout of people from full-time positions and reevaluating yes. life yeah. because, you know, they recognize that we're not here to do the things that we don't like doing for the sake of doing the things that we don't like doing. You know, we're here in a way <laughs> to enjoy, to embrace, you know, and to live while we live, you know, and to not live a life to satisfy others or to not satisfy the bank account, but rather to find something of greater meaning and purpose. And um, so, you know, with, within this impermanence, though, we could deal with it with heightened aggression, heightened anxiety, or we could really have a dialect where, you know, in a way that it's painful to hear that, but that's the truth, that this body is not forever we are. And so finding ways for us to really integrate wisdom, have a proper foundation, you know, follow the stuff, you know, from, from the masters and from our higher selves and really living life as if we don't need eternity, having every day feel like it in our own unique way. Cause as we know, tomorrow is not guaranteed and things like nine 11 or this pandemic, it all reminds us the fragility of it all and how at any day this body could be taken. And how do we want to look in the mirror and live if that's the case? <laughs> well said. Jacob, let me ask you this. When people seek to make contact with their loved ones on the other side or vice versa, mm. does there come a point in the soul's progression where reaching out to your loved ones on this side, we who still occupy these bodies, we love to know our loved ones are okay. And of course we want to express our love. We seek their wisdom. Does there come a point where a soul on the other side finds it increasingly difficult to make contact with those of us who are still in the body because of that very evolution that takes them to new places spiritually? You're saying the frustration in a sense that loved ones are trying to make contact and those here on in this life aren't hearing them. Is there, is that a frustration? I compare it. Yes, Jake. And what I'm, I compare it to, you know, driving those country roads, Suzanne and I have done it or the highway out there in uh, woe be gone, wherever. And you're doing that and you're fiddling with the knobs and the presets you're trying and you hear this <laughs> all the static trying to bring clear notes or clear conversation and communication mm-hmm. through, but it just seems to be, we're not quite on the same wavelength. We haven't, we haven't locked onto right. that frequency. We used sure. to be able to do it. In my bedroom, I have a clock radio. It plays like a dream. No problem. Mm. When I'm out there uh, 20 miles from Bakersfield and I'm driving and I'm trying to bring in something, it's very difficult to do. And I wonder if it's that way with afterlife communications. Well, you know, when I had my own near-death experience, suffocation was something that happened to my body, but it also, it felt like that was happening to my soul in a sense that, you know, the people were calling to my body and I was trying to shake them and telling them that I was here, you know, but they couldn't see, feel, or hear me in the way that I wanted it to. And so I think that was in a way an adjustment that I had to have 
And I think as spirits, when we go there, we have that. But, you know, it, it's different, you know, because maybe it might not be that the person sees exactly how we want to. But we found our own ways of reaching them in their own unique ways. And sometimes we don't know this in a conscious basis, but on a subconscious basis, we do. And, you know, those interactions, we not we may not be able to do a full seance and, and discuss you know, what exactly love one is saying this, but in our own way, we could have our own dynamic within our own levels of vibrational frequencies. And, you know, I think loved ones are able to reach us, you know, still in any way, but as we ascend higher, I think that becomes a little bit more clear where it becomes, you know, the clairs becomes a lot more, you know, increased based on each person's strength. I think everyone has, you know, different strengths within the clairs and how they connect to spirit. But, um, you know, there's there's drops droplets of connectivity that everyone is capable of in their own unique way. And we just, you know, we don't know how the ramifications or how impactful those connections could be. Those could really truly save a life if we just feel something out of nowhere to tell us to make that turn, something happens, or to tell us to give us a phone call. We just think of those things as coincidences, not recognizing that coincidences are just two angles coinciding, you know, mathematically working out. And so, you know, there really are no coincidences. It's 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 all within, you know, synchronicity and uh, really kind of acting, you know, in flow, um, you know, with, with life's forces. You know. Okay, that you've got a better answer than me because I have not had your experiences, and to tell you the truth, Jacob. There, I, you know, I had hernia surgery three weeks ago yesterday, and it went beautifully. Thank mm. goodness. I am quickly on the mend. I remember at the time, I didn't even say this to Suzanne, but I remember being there as they are wheeling me into the surgical theater. <laughs> They're rolling, and I say surgical theater. They took me off this gurney and put me on a cot that would barely hold a Boy Scout. There and I'm going, wow, this is really a, a narrow confine for me at this point. And the thought occurred to me that what if I don't wake up? I mean, it's just one of those fleeting things. What if you don't wake up? What if you're having lunch with Elvis in an hour? What am I doing? And I thought, you know, that would be okay with me, but I want to live. I enjoy being in this body. I love my partner, Suzanne. Sure. I love my friends and many of my relatives. And when I think about it, <laughs> and when I think of it, wow, you know, if I expired on the table here, someone would have to answer that by God there. But wow, I mean, in this in the space of a human life, we fear the separation of our personality from our bodies, our vessels. But in the grand scheme of things, if we really are eternal beings, it's not like I'm going to get lost. I'm going to be in a new dimension of life. And I decided to be okay with that. As it turned out, went absolutely perfectly. Mm. I was only under for about 45 minutes. They brought me out, wheeled me out to the recovery, and here I am three weeks later. But you know, these, these questions of mortality at times of stress, at times that are indeterminate, like going in for surgery, they confront us with our mortality, and we mm. have to decide what to do with that. Yeah, you know, and... The hope is, uh, you know, for us to remember that in our own unique way, you know, sometimes we have to have those shakeups, which are quite painful. But I think a part of this each and every day is, is, is remembering that and keeping that in front of us. And I think that will allow 
ourselves to really live while we live to our fullest, because I don't think everyone truly lives while they're living. You know, a lot of people are, yeah. you know, not really connected to the moment, to their lives. They're 10% here and 90% there, especially with all the phones, you know, these days and everything like that. And so yeah. I think once you recognize that you could die, you recognize that you could only live, but live is a very big word. You know, some people really have a full experience of that. And some, it's a very much, you know, blocked water down of it. And I think for us, it's to not wait until we live until we cross over, but to really blow that up here and to make the hereafter into the here now and to really have a really expansive celebratory uh, jubilation of life, which is really not based off of the series of events, but really what we connect to on an inner level and that joy, you know, which is not find outside of ourselves, you know, it's found within ourselves expressed in the outer world, you know. Very, very well said, Jacob. Thank you very much for that. Well, we've got the two-minute warning, so <laughs> here we are talking with Jacob Cooper. We would love to have you back, have you back with us about any time you care to join us, Jacob. <laughs> Let me ask you, going forward now, what do you have? I mean, just give us a quick rundown. There's this, then this coming up, this coming up. You're becoming a bigger name in the metaphysical game, my friend. Wow, you, you, you're a rapper, my man. You didn't even know it. <laughs> Poet, you didn't know it, right? But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I set my intention really to to be of service. Um, and so many, so many times we have our intention based off of a checklist and what we want our life to be. And I think I just come from a place of abundance where, to me, the intention doesn't come from the ego. It comes from spirit and it comes from an infinite place. And how could I be of service to this place of infinite when people are feeling very much finite or very much lifeless. And my goal is to give back the breath that I was given in moments of suffocation to people in a unique way to, to do that. But right now I'm working a lot, very more closely with a lot of grief organizations. I just have a program coming up with a wonderful organization called Helping Parents Heal, uh, which is based in Sedona, but it's international. And so I have a program with them in January um, and that's a great organization that's really is for parents who have lost kids. Um, and it was started by Elizabeth Boisson, and she lost her own child, I believe, climbing Mount Everest. And after you know, he transitioned, she immediately felt him, you know, hugging her and that infinite love that she had. And she just knew that, you know, love truly never dies. And she, she wanted to give back that same sensation from the greatest loss that we could, uh, I think anyone could really suffer, which is a loss of a child for a parent to allow people's you know, grief to not be isolated and to find belief in a knowing to work within their own pain of grief. And so that's an organization I'm working on. Finishing up my second book, The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder is something, not bladder, but ladder. Uh, it's funny why I say bladder because I told my grandmother I was working this and she said, she's 96 years old and she said, Jacob's bladder. I'm like, no, it's, it's Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder. So finishing up my next book, working very closely with them and Beautiful. Um, you know, a lot of different programs with other different, you know, people. All That's great, Jacob. Life. Thank well, you. We're going we're to have to go. Thank you for being with us today. And uh, thank you. You're a wonder. And we look forward to talking to you again on these airwaves. Thanks, Jacob. An honor to have me. Thank you. Coming right. up next. Coming up next, Jupiter Rising. Have a great weekend, everyone.